So, um, <clears throat> as the picture of baptism is an amazing picture of coming out of death into new life, I want us to take just a little bit of time to just stop and just reflect and just pause about the gift of life that God has given us. Today is Sanctity of Life. It is a, it's a national event. It was started in 1984. This is actually the 39th year that, uh, of the anniversary, and it's just an opportunity where churches and pro-life organizations just rally around the principle, the biblical principle of God's life to us. And we live in a world that's fighting against that daily, the attacks on the unborn and the issues that we face, even with the elderly, with youth, euthanasia. There are many organizations, we even support some here locally, that stand in the gap and fight in the trenches for the unborn and for the underprivileged and those that have no hope. This year was an interesting year, right, with the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And we only God knows for sure what that's going to look like in the coming months and years. I mean, you know, we, uh, we know that he is sovereign. But one of the things that we do know is that we must continue to fight the fight and make the stand very firm and solid that we stand for life. And we stand for um, God's place and purpose and value of life. We know that there is possibly this shift in the world spiritually and in our culture. But again, only God knows for sure what that's going to look like in the coming months and years. A couple of organizations I just want to highlight because I think it's important, again, that some of you realize that we do support these. We have supported them in the past, not always on a monthly basis, but we do several things throughout the course of our time of plugging into organizations that value life. Bravely, which was formerly Matrix, Woman's Health Organization, it provides reproductive health care, pregnancy support, motherhood resources. They offer pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, post-abortion support, pregnancy options, education, well, women exams, clothing room, safe sleep program, support for families. Obviously, there's ways that you could volunteer. All you need to do is just look them up bravely and even type in Matrix and you could find them. Although these next two organizations are not necessarily on the front lines of abortion and, and um, giving women and families an opportunity to choose uh, life, Gifts of Grace is an adoption agency, a nonprofit organization that helps support families in their choice to either grow their family through, um, through uh, adoption or the council to consider options that are best for the family. Isaiah 117 obviously is very familiar with many of us because of what we've done over the last couple months, but providing this safe home for those who are in placement issues with foster care. By the way, with Isaiah 117, they did construct the walls this last couple weeks and uh, just waiting on a few things and permits to be able to break ground. And um, so there was an uh, opportunity for these walls to be constructed and stored in this warehouse uh, out in New Richmond area. And then when the green light is and the ground is broken, then they'll start building the house. I think it's absolutely amazing that we have an Isaiah 117 house going up in Tippecanoe County. I just think it's absolutely amazing. But what's more exciting about all this is we don't just support them or financially throw some money their way occasionally. We have families in here that are impacted by all these agencies at some level. Um, <clears throat> got families that are fostering, got families that are that are adopting and have adopted. There's There's just all kinds of fingers, you might say, of our church 
in all of these areas of life. So I'd like for us just to quickly look into Scripture and see what the Bible says says about sanctity of life. You're not going to see the word sanctity, but you're going to see the word blessed. You're going to see the word sacred. You're going to see the word holy because God sees life as blessed and sacred and holy. You might remember this passage a couple weeks ago. We did this with uh, Nora Smith and her dedication but I'd like to do it again and just pull out a few things for us to see this morning. Won't you stand with me? I want us to uh, look at it as I read it and just catch a few important things this morning. Genesis 1, 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, all three in one they are present at the time in the beginning of creating mankind and creation. And I love that, that it says to be like us. And I'm saying, God, you really knew what you were doing there to be like you because we're not so much like you these days. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. If you could get rid of a few of those rats, we wouldn't mind. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Now, again, not our image, not the image of the world, but the image of Father God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then God blessed them. He blessed life at that time. And he said, be fruitful, be multiply, fill the earth and govern it, rule, reign over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what has happened. Then God looked out over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. You may be seated. In other words, God was saying, I've given you everything that you need. I'm here with you as well. Houston, it seems as if we have a problem because we're not in the garden anymore. And life is not quite what God had planned originally. An essayist named G.K. Chesterton He remarked and said these things, whatever else is true of man, it is certainly true that man is not what he was meant to be. And we know that man is not what he was meant to be because he was meant to be something better than he is. So with sanctity of life today, just the thoughts, again, we go in the direction of abortion, we go in the direction of the protection of the unborn, and we should. But I also believe that sanctity of life has a broader context. It has a broader meaning, if you will, in the sense that God cares about all life. He gave his life so that we could have life. So if God cares about life, then our hearts should be the same, caring about life. He cares about the unborn. He cares about the child that needs the foster home. He cares about the adoptees and the adopters. He cares about the elderly. He cares about every race. He cares about the rich or the poor. Now, if we were to go back through the scriptures and just pull it out this morning, we don't have time. But earlier when God was doing this in Genesis 1, he said a couple things that we're all familiar with. He said, 
And God said, let there be light, correct? And it was done. And God said, let there be some space between the heavens and the earth and where the waters are. And so it was done. But what's interesting about this with man is it was more than just God said and it was done. Because there's two Hebrew words that we need to pull out and really catch here. Because he said, well, let's make them in our image and our likeness. Basically, what those mean is that man is to be created to be like God on the earth. It's very interesting, isn't it? And when God created us, he was putting himself on the earth through us. Therefore, when he goes on to say, fill the earth and govern it and steward it, then that was our job. We're not like dogs or cats. We're not like the stars. We are a special creation. And I believe that when he said that was very good, I think he was actually referring to mankind. All of this other stuff is beautiful and awesome, but I created someone I can have relationship with, and that is very good. Not only... Did he create man? But again, this relationship thing. He walked with Adam. He talked with Adam. He had this close personal relationship. And not only did he walk and talk with Adam, he gave Adam, which again he gave to all of us, a significance and a value. Now this is something really important this morning because again, I think sometimes again when we think about the, the sense of life and how precious it is, we always look towards the unborn. We always look towards the smaller, the helpless. And again, that's a right thing to do. And sometimes, again, we look towards the elderly, and that's a right thing to do. But some of us this morning need to catch this. You are valued. You are loved. You are significant in the eyes of God. And there was not one thing that you did or didn't do that made him do that. He did it because he loved you and you are significant and valued and loved just the way that you are. We live in a culture that's constantly trying to twist that and change that, right? We're always trying to do something with our image. We're always doing an image update. All those things that we look into the mirror and we're not pleased. Now again, Hold on a second. There's a time sometimes that we need to comb our hair and put lipstick on and all that kind of stuff. Not me, but some of you. But we do so many things. There's so much in our culture that's shifting and pushing us to be something other than we are. And God said, I like you the way you are. I created you. I bless that. Leave it alone. C.S. Lewis says this, you've never met a mere mortal and you never will. In other words, in God's eyes, there are no little people. There are no people who are less than. Everyone matters because his image is in and on every person. Small or great, rich or poor, young or old, educated or illiterate, healthy or sick, strong or weak, it starts from the moment of conception when those cells come together all the way through the moment of death. There's value and significance and purpose that he has stamped onto our lives because we were created in his image and his likeness. Psalm 139, it's a wonderful passage. We, most of us in this room, could probably quote parts of it at least. 
You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. And you knit me together in my mother's womb. You made all those parts, God. The men's breakfast yesterday, there were a handful of us, and we were just talking about just the, the amazing God that we worship and serve and, and just how he, the beauty of everything that he does and just even just looking out and sometimes the horizon and looking to the, to the, the coastal waters or looking to the mountains or, or whatever, and you just see the beauty and the handiwork of God. But there is nothing more amazing than a human body with the delicacy of eyes and ears and the inner workings of our body parts. If you really already start thinking about that, it just gets overwhelming, right? Because if it isn't for the grace of God, all that could just stop at a dime, Right? Everything has to work together so perfectly, and it's amazing how it's all set up and wired and how the brain communicates to the body, and, and I'm even doing things right now subconsciously, and I'm not even thinking about it, and how is that happening, and it's like God got me on a puppet on a string, or no, he created this, and it works because his image, his fingerprint is on it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. (laughs) I tease my wife and say all the time that she's intricately complex. Thank you for making us complex. We're, We're not just a blob. We're not just a thing. We're his image here on earth. We represent everything that he is and everything that he does and his heart and Thank you. Maybe, maybe some of us should more regularly stand in the mirror instead of doing more stuff to this. Just stand in the mirror and say, thank you for making me the way I am. Thank you. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was ever born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. We are a masterpiece in the hands of God. And how we desperately need to be reminded of this over and over and over again when we live in an age where the unborn and the elderly are being discarded rather routinely. Now, I'm saying this, praying that my kids, as I age out, won't just set me aside, but that they'll love me till the very bitter end. Thank you, Jesus. There's a fight, there's a fight about who's going to take over. You know, there's three of them, and they flip a coin every day. Nope, it's you. Nope, it's you. I don't like the way he's working right now, so it's you. But understanding all of this, understanding this powerful truth of the likeness and the image of God stamped on and in our lives, this is what helps us, church, to to stand in the fight of morality issues and to stand in the fight of the wave of culture and other things that are suggesting other things against God's word. When we know God's word and we stand on God's word, then we can fight against the tide of life. Amen? Again, I would say that when God instructed us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and govern it, what he sees today is not necessarily what he had hoped for and designed. I'm sure he's not pleased with our current ideology. 
when he wanted us to reproduce, he wanted us to reproduce offspring and life reflective of who we are and reproduce ourselves as followers of Christ. And when he said govern the earth that we inherited, he was saying manage it, take care of it, and let it serve you. Don't trash it. So it may look daunting at times as we look out on the horizon of this culture that we live in and the world that we live in. But I will say this, I believe the mandate is the same. I believe the mandate is to bring light into the darkness, to bring hope to the helpless, and to be like God on the earth. You know, if we just took that phrase and we just did just that, be like God on the earth, that could change so many things. So I want to close this portion out with a prayer for us this morning, and then we have quite a bit of stuff to kind of to finish out in some details of just what's going to happen over the next week. And it's important. I don't, I don't want us to neglect that, and I don't want us to just kind of toss that aside. What we're going to do next week is absolutely pretty cool and amazing. We're going to join together with a local church, and we're going to serve our community. And it's going to be really awkward and weird for some of you. You're just going to have to get over it. And the reason I say that is because we're the body of Christ. And, 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 you know, maybe they look different and they act different, but they're looking at us going, you look different and you act different. And so at the time when we can come together and be the hands and the feet of Jesus, then those that we serve don't know which church they're, we're from. They just know we're part of the church. So pretty important stuff I want to close out with after we pray. But this morning, again, <clears throat> sanctity of life. And the push, again, is as we stand and fight against the wave and the tidal wave of darkness in the abortion industry. The statistics are pretty amazing, right? Like amazing, not in a good way. Like almost hard to fathom. 2,500 abortions per day, 106 per hour, one every 34 seconds. That's just hard to fathom. Here's what I know that, though, is in a room this size and in those who are watching online and joined us this morning. Likelihood that many of us, if not most of us, if not maybe even all of us, have been affected or impacted through abortion at some level. Somebody we know or maybe even someone in the room. And I want to pray for us for this reason. There is forgiveness and there is grace. There is forgiveness and there is grace. God is a redeeming God. He's a restorer and he is a miracle worker. If all people are made in the image of God, which they are, then that means anybody can be saved and restored at any time under any circumstances. There is no sinner who has sinned too much that cannot be saved. There is no person beyond the reach of the grace of God. Amen? So when a lot of this information is so strongly promoted on both sides, again, 
church, we need to stand against the fight of the battle of the unborn, if you will. It's hard to imagine that we would even live in a time and day where we would be fighting for the life of the unborn. But at the same time, as we do this, a lot of times there's this oppositional type tactic that feels like they're against us and we're against them. Listen, God wants to restore and save every human being on the face of the earth. And so what we have to continue to pray is that if and when and might we encounter any situation, we need to always remember that the grace of God saved us so the grace of God can save whoever. There is nothing too far out of his reach. No one too far out of his reach. And again, I'd like to just as our as we talked about the foster system of Isaiah 117 and other organizations and those of who have adopted and those who have been adopted and the the organizations that are in the trenches and on all of those areas that we as a church would continue to be supportive and continue to grow in that way to care for the family and care for the helpless. I think it's absolutely amazing that years ago when we started this church in a new name and a new branding of Elston Family Church of how he has blended that family through the years. It's so amazing. And then finally, this is is important too. There are some of you in this room that don't feel very valued, you don't feel very loved, and you don't feel very significant. When somebody says you're created in the image and likeness of God, you look at yourself and say, how could that possibly be? You don't even know who I am and what I've done and where I've been. If Vicki had gone just a few steps further in his, her testimony, you would have been, wow. Well, if I went a few steps in my testimony, you would go, wow. And there's about 99 others in this room that if they went further in their testimony, all of us would go, wow. And here's the thing. When God created you, he blessed you. And he said you were sacred and you were holy and you were set apart for him. And he put his stamp, he put his image and his likeness on you so that you could be part of who he is here on this earth. And I just want to pray for some of you who just maybe wrestle with your identity in Christ and who you are and how he sees you. Listen, how he sees you is fine. It's how you see you that's not so fine. He looks down and says, very good, awesome, yay, And you're looking at yourself going, I want to encourage you. Replace the lie with the truth. Every day he looks down on you. Even when you make a mistake, even when you fall down, even when you mess up, he still looks down and goes, very good. I still love you. I still see that you have value and purpose. Come on, get up, let's go. We can do this all the time. That's the mercy and grace of God. That's the mercy and grace of God. So I'd like for us to just pray right now, and then we're going to close out Facebook, and then we're going to shift gears. But would you stand with me this morning? And again, whatever part of this prayer that touches you, I would encourage you to just open yourself up and open your hands up to receive what God wants to give you 
this morning. I did this a couple weeks ago. Then last week we had a wonderful ministry time. Listen, there's something when we shift and move away from kind of this attitude to this attitude and open ourselves up. God, I'm not sure what it looks like. I'm not sure what all this means. I'm not even sure I understand fully. But God, I want to take in and receive everything that you have for me today right now. So would you just do that and just raise your hands up? And just offer yourself to him and surrender. Father, this morning, today, as we honor life all across the nation, there are maybe churches and other organizations. This is, a, this is a pretty significant day in terms of just celebrating together the goodness and the value of life that you have given us. You created us in your image and in your likeness, and you spoke a blessing over it, and you said, this is very good. We thank you for that. But God, because of sin and because of so much darkness that has invaded our world and so much selfishness, now we look at a world where throwing babies aside is not a big deal for many. Now, God, right now, I just want to stop and I want to pause for anybody in this room who has even touched the edge of abortion or has been a part of an abortion or has known someone who has been a part. God, this morning, we just want to pray for healing and we want to pray for forgiveness and we want to pray for restoration. What we know and what we believe about you is, God, there is no sinner that's too far away from you regardless of what we've done. And I get it that, that when we do this act, that it is actually a murderous act, but we have to look in Scripture and see that there were others who did such things, and God, you still restored them and used them. So we pray for mercy and grace and healing and forgiveness, and may the dark cloud be lifted and light be brought into that place of their hearts. God, I just pray for a healing in Jesus' name over anyone who has been impacted by abortion. And God, I pray for the foster system and I pray for the organizations that are working in this community. I pray for the adoption system and I pray for the organizations that are working in this area in this community. And I pray for those of us that are doing those things that are actually actively fostering and actually actively in the adoption process or have already. And I pray a blessing over that and those folks. I pray your blessing in your favor. And I pray that God those who have been adopted and those who have been fostered, that they might begin to see the word and the truth of your scripture that says they are created in your image. They are created in your likeness. And just like any other human being on the face of the earth, God, you blessed it and you said, this is very good. And I thank you for families that are joining together to bring healing and hope to those who Maybe at one time in their life were helpless and hopeless. And Lord, lastly, I pray for those who maybe are struggling right now in their identity of who they are. 
I pray, God, that right now that they might feel the love of God and the mercy of God and the value of God and the significance of God, that you would bless them and you would meet them where they are and you would encourage them. And God, that the word of truth may come through. You are valued. You are significant. I love you. They might begin to stand again in the face of the enemy and in the face of the mirror that stares back at them sometimes in an ugly way and say, no, the word of God says, no, the truth says, God, you love me. And I receive that now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for this time together with these baptisms. Thank you for the the mercy and grace of God that has saved us and restored us and put our feet on ground to stay, the rock to stay. And as we move forward, I pray over Vicki and Audrey that they might be able to stand strong in the walk of God, knowing full well that this proclamation, this public proclamation, brings the enemy into a corner that says, oh, I see you. But I know, Father, that you have looked down and you've said, I'm well pleased. Thank you for this work this morning. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.